0: Yo ho ho, it's time to go Back to the dungeon far below Players arrive in time to die
1: and welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. We are so glad you've come along on the adventure with us, ducks into the dungeon and uh, a cross-country adventure. Well, anyway, I'm Tom Gross, one of your hosts, and right here with me is Dan Ream, the other co-creator and co-host of Teachers in the Dungeon. How are you doing, Dan?
0: Good, good, good. Got some new scenery to look at. We are in a different location to to record today. Yes,
1: we are in Studio B. (laughs) for better <laughs> it, well i'm not so sure about that but uh yeah the dungeon has a couple studios and we are in studio b which we've never used before this is a first time speaking of it uh, actually this is not a first time nope. uh we have a re- we have a returning guest <laughs> coming on and he plays the character bert in slight uh marcus welcome marcus cooler
2: thank you thank you good to be here
1: we're glad to have you here. You are remote from another location because you don't live very close to us. <laughs> so, <Thank you. laughs> so rather than Not giving right you yet, the sir. hour, an hour and a half drive in and an hour drive back, we thought we'd just connect with you remotely. Glad to have you joining us. Dan, you have a question for us. Or is it my question? It's your question. Oh yes, it's my question. <laughs> so my question this week to get us all started and the uh, get the ball rolling is where is the most interesting or most enjoyable place you've ever played Dungeons and & Dragons? And I'm going to toss it to our guest, Marcus. What is the most interesting or enjoyable place you've played Dungeons & Dragons?
2: Well, it hasn't been too many different places. You know, it's always been people's homes and things like that, but probably the most enjoyable. I enjoy it when we are, are over at Dan's house and outside under the pergola in the evenings playing, it, uh, it's got that nice ambiance to it and the lighting and everything and being outside makes it a really nice, fun experience.
0: We've mentioned that a few times. I was thinking about with you bringing ice cream, individually packaged homemade ice cream for each of us <laughs> one time. And and it seemed like everybody has, has sort of, uh, they, they've stepped up and brought interesting Interesting things to sort of add to the level of
2: enjoyment. So I was, think uh, so. Was, I've had a I've had a request for that again from one of the players. Maybe oh. one of your co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well,
1: good, good. So, um, yeah, I, that that is definitely a cool uh, location. Uh, the last time we played, the first time this spring, we got. Kind of blown out of there. <laughs> it was a nice evening, and then a weather front came through and forced us indoors. But yeah, it was nice to be back outside. Yeah. Definitely a cool place to uh, play Dungeons and Dragons. I actually, I'm looking forward to using because Dan, you expanded the space in your backyard. You put mm-hmm, another yeah. extra kind of patio off to the side of the pergola with a large fire pit. So that'll be cool to add that in, have a fire dungeons and dragons few drinks that'll be a good time right We're yes we can uh, yes we can imagine
0: it's dragon fire or whatever else when we're uh, <laughs> when we're sitting there playing nice so all right how about you well I'm, I'm kind of like mark I haven't really I'm trying to think where the places are that I've played my basement my backyard the school your kitchen mm-hmm. I
1: think that my One Christmas- time- Chris Chris Metz's house. Oh yeah, Chris's house. One time we played on our back patio when your back patio isn't quite the same as yours, but uh yeah. Well I hate to
0: be I hate to be self-congratulatory, but I'll i pick my basement because we have a nice and handy countertop where we can spread all of the food mm-hmm. and a nice handy fridge for all of the beer. And it's just easy to get up and quietly ref- refill your plate while someone else is in the throes of a life and death battle and sit back down and not miss a beat. So I think that's what I would pick. Nice. And you also- table. nice. <laughs>
1: yes, that's what I was going to say. Well-,
0: <laughs> well, I didn't want to. Uh- yeah. And I actually put better legs on it now. So you don't like I think Mark one time you leaned on it and it almost flipped over cuz I, <laughs> I I I designed it to be that you could take it down and move it around so it, originally it was just a big gigantic heavy wooden tabletop that balanced on a cheap little folding table. <laughs> <laughs> and after a while I thought no that's not going to work. <laughs> I got to I got to make real legs for this thing. So You can still remove them, so I can still move it about, but it's just a little more than, yeah, a little more stable than it was.
1: Nice. All right, I like those. So I'm going to dip back way back into my childhood for this because I actually have a couple. I'll only talk about one, but but I'll mention the other. It was also outside playing. My friend and I used to play out in the driveway in the front (laughs) in the front driveway, and that's how my original. uh, Remember those in the red basic set box you got a you got a set of like soft plastic dice and we rolled those things on the driveway until they were just i mean the 20 sided was just a ball <laughs> rolling around um but while that was fun uh my favorite most interesting place would be in the pantry of my kitchen at the house that i grew up in and i might say why would you play dungeons and dragons in the pantry it's because at the time this would be the equivalent of playing Dungeons and Dragons remote. My friend lived across the street. When we couldn't get together, we would call each other on the telephone. Remember oh when gosh. telephones used to hang on the on the wall in the kitchen or someplace? Long, With the long, stretchy cord. And so I would call him on the telephone. And then so as to not distract the rest of the family, I would go into the pantry of the kitchen and sit on the floor actually i think i sat on the container that held the dog food (laughs) and i would sit in there with a flashlight playing dungeons and dragons and probably the most annoying thing is when my mom or someone would knock on the door and say we need to make a phone call and i'm like i'm just just i'm almost done with the panel just a second (laughs) i was gonna
0: say you monopolized the phone for the entire evening i did a teenage girl going
1: to a room with it Darn right! (laughs) This was before the days of call waiting, also. So I literally, and the teen line, and yep, did not have those. And so I would, I would shut down the phone for for hours. I don't know. There's times I'm like, maybe my parents appreciated that. Maybe they're like, we haven't gotten a phone call in a long time. Oh, Tom's playing Dungeons and Dragons. Thank goodness. (laughs) So anyway, those pantry filled dog food smell, playing Dungeons and Dragons in the dark on the telephone. That's probably my most interesting place. How about you? Where where do you find to be the most interesting places you play Dungeons & Dragons? Or if it's not an interesting place, how about an enjoyable place? Some place that gives you fond memories of Dungeons & Dragons. Let us know. Send us an uh, an email if you'd like to give us a long description. That is teachersinthedungeon at gmail.com. Or you could just hop on to social media. Twitter is at Dungeon Teachers. Facebook and Instagram, Teachers in the Dungeon. And let us know hey, how about take a picture of your favorite right. place? Yeah. I'll, I'll post a couple pictures on Twitter and Instagram of the backyard. I've got a couple pictures of playing oh, back cool. there. You share with us where some of your favorite or most interesting places are to play Dungeons & Dragons. So before we get to Slant, because we're about ready to um, dive back into the island of Slint, continue the adventures of Wade, Jacques, and Bert, we've got Marcus Kugler here with us. He is the character, the player, of the character Bert, and uh, I don't know that we've ever really given you had the had you on to talk about Bert. So let's start our conversation with that. Tell us a little bit about how you came up with the character of Bert, what you were looking for, and maybe some of the things that motivate Bert in the adventure.
2: Bert's a cleric. I think uh, everybody probably knows that at this point. And when I was coming up with him, I just kind of wanted to play something a little bit different, a support character more than an out-front character. Not that that's always worked out that way in this campaign, but... Um, <laughs> or at all. <laughs> ever. but yeah, and I kind of went that way and I wanted to go with uh, a different kind of race, somebody, something a little bit different. So I went with uh, a Firbolg, so Bert's a Firbolg. He doesn't know exactly what happened, but he knows he was raised... By a giant, furbolgs are. They have that connection there. So I went with that, and you know, giants are kind of solitary creatures. And he follows a uh, strong mouse who is a giant god of the thunder and lightning and all of those kinds of things. I went that route, and he goes out, and he was rather than being solitary with the giant, he decided to go out and kind of seek some adventure and see what was out in the world at large, and being that he grew up kind of, kind of isolated. He's pretty trusting and just wants to meet people and talk to people and uh, be pleasant because that's how he thinks all people should be.
0: I was going to say, I think one of the things that you've done that made the character memorable for me is that he is unfailingly pleasant, as you said, just not, hyperactively cheerful or outgoing, but just you get the feeling he's always just kind of there in the background, just kind of smiling at people. No matter what, even the ones that he's probably getting ready to hit. It's uh <laughs> it's fun to it's fun to see that work into the other into the larger
2: story. It's that's kind of how I want him to be and that's how I try to play him. And it was nice when we started this. It was a complete departure from <laughs> Drizzle that I play in the other campaign just something something new and different and a different different way to play. I was going to
1: say and you know he is very different from Dirichlet, and so what I wanted to ask you is what are some of the challenges of that as a player that you're playing two completely different kind of personalities between these two characters. I know I know a lot of times I seem to fall into I don't think a lot of times I feel like almost all the time I fall into the same rut and I end up playing Wade sometimes like Borum. And, and so how do you, what what do you do to prepare yourself to play these two vastly different characters?
2: Well, when I'm coming in and we're going to play a session with Slyne and I'm looking back, I try to look back through notes, not that Bert, I take a lot of notes with Bert. That's just not the kind of character he is, but kind of go back through and think about all the fay that we've gone through and just how pleasant he thinks they are. And then try to go back into his background. I just try to come in with a pleasant point of view on things and go with that route. And then, you know, DeRishle, well, maybe sometimes I take out a little bit of my own personal angst with him. I don't know. So. <laughs>
0: That's a good that's in general good advice because I think I'm sure it's something that a lot of people do, but I need to be reminded to go back and look at my character's backstory each time just to get it more in my the forefront of my mind.
1: Well cool. Let's so I guess with that we're gonna we're gonna dump, jump into the adventure with Bert here in just a minute. but let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll head back to the island of Slight. This is Teachers in the Dungeon. Stay with us. We are back on Teachers in the Dungeon. We've got Marcus Kugler, the player of the character Bert, with us to talk about the next section of our adventures right. in Slice. When we left you last time, in fact, I'll let you, Dan, kind of set up the, the scene of where we left off last time. Right. So you are on the Blanomur, the forest road
0: traveling toward pire you are in in the midst of the land of the dark fae and you've been warned that they are not to be not to be trifled with but you've been given these necklaces that as long as you stay on the on the path the forest path they will leave you be you've encountered a vampire that wounded you bert i believe but some of the regular fae were able to heal you and now you're on your way when you are accosted for some by some voices in the trees, and I kind of had fun with these. I, I've had fun trash talking you with every encounter, almost really between the satyrs <laughs> the and and the hag and those sorts. But these guys were particularly fun. The red caps, I think they're sort of like the anti gnome in a way. They, if the way they're described, they. They're about the size of gnomes, but where gnomes are almost
1: always cheerful and upbeat, these guys are just irascible. I've never encountered a red cat before. So this was a new uh, adventure for me. And I have, I think I have the names of, were there five of them? Does that sound right? Yes, I believe so. It was Fitch, Quinn, Toby, Barle, and I can't read my handwriting on the last one. Eben? (laughs) Eben. 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 And they said they'd been looking for us. Do you remember anything else? Does Bert remember anything else from
2: them? They said they wanted help and protection. That's what I have written down.
1: Yes. Okay. And uh, I have describing the battle. Did they describe a battle to us of, they said four or five attacked anti-rot grub, and then something with a sword killed her, I think is what what they were telling us. And so, even though they were cantankerous and rude, I think we weren't really seeing their true nature because they had some fear in them. We asked them to take us to where the hag was killed. And I seem to remember this, this was a real struggle for me and Wade, because I'm pretty sure you guys put Wade in charge of, of bullying them. Do you remember that?
2: Oh yeah, you were the you were the one that had to uh, beat them into submission and
0: yeah, they weren't they weren't real cooperative with you. That's right. And they were kind of fighting with each other. I defaulted just to a, I have a very limited repertoire of accents, so I had to default to a southern accent, horribly stereotypical, but I just just had them just ornery and smacking each other around and yeah and refusing to behave with you guys. So
1: Wade had to step up and crack some skulls. I have to say that was, that was out of my, (laughs) that was out of my uh, comfort zone as a, as a player. But also when I think of the character of Burr or uh, Wade, I thought Wade would not, Wade has never bullied anybody in his life. Yes. He's a half work. Yes. He looks intimidating. And, I like to think Wade is, you know, co- you know, competent in fighting and battle, but he would always do it with honor. And this was, there's no honor in this just right. pushing them around. In fact, right. I remember we did a series of roles because in his intimidation, I said, I'm going to punch them in the shoulder <laughs> and make it hurt. And you made me roll for that. And I succeeded. And they, they like, it was it was like pushing them into submission for a short while, and that, I have to say that felt pretty darn good. <laughs> but it was it was definitely a challenge, and for me, especially as a player, because let me tell you, never in my life have I ever been <laughs> the bully. Maybe on the other side of it, I did have an older brother, but uh, but it was it was a little challenging to talk about working out angst. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had to uh, come up with like the words and the tone to make that work. And so it was kind of fun to do, especially the fact that I was, I was successful through the roles of it. And so we pushed these guys around and sort of when a couple of, a couple of them started getting like losing their submissive side. And so we had to sort of push around one of the leaders and uh, we got that. And so we headed toward the area where the hag was killed and we were attacked by guests. It was at night, and we were attacked by guests. Yeah. And I don't have anything written about that battle. Do you, uh, Marcus?
2: No, I don't have anything about that. Okay, the that only thing really
1: I remember, I, well, I'm not sure that I remember, um, Dan, you you probably remember, is I wanna say the two Red Caps that were sort of having a little mutiny, they either left, or they didn't fight there, there was something where we it, got really upset with them yes mark do you remember any of that
2: yeah i got down here at some point in time because we were going to keep traveling i think in the dark and then i have down that toby and arl and Eben. they wanted they, they bailed after not wanting to continue going in the dark right
0: yeah, there was a little bit of complexity there in, in the way also that they didn't get along with each other and they had differing attitudes toward you. There were one or two that were much friendlier in as far as Red Caps can ever be friendly, mm-hmm. uh, much more cooperative with you and inclined to look to you for actual help and support and ones that didn't. So this, this was just just sort of to remind you that, that this place has been heavily infiltrated by undead and it's a very dangerous, watch your back kind of place. But other than that, I think it was just, you know, you guys just kept moving forward. Yeah. I I, I have
2: that, uh, sorry, go ahead, Mark. Oh, what I was going to say, what I remember from going on that trail is that they were leading us, but it was really kind of back and forth and maybe, a big circuitous route that didn't seem to be as direct as we thought it would be and was taking us a lot longer uh-huh. to get where they wanted to be. So yes. we were we were kind of pushing them, okay, hey, this is taking longer than you said, let's just keep going. And yeah, so this is the little way you could say
0: that the although the bullying worked, it sort of backfired on you because they they were setting you up and mm-hmm. bullying them just kind of made some of them more willing to say, all right, you want to, you're going to push us around. We're going to, we're going to follow through with this plan that's been set up for us. So, uh, it does take you longer and event is eventually after that, you do come into a little clearing and meet their patroness, right?
1: Yes. Uh, this is Greta, right? We're talking about, yep. mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. The, the only other thing I wanted to add about that travel was when we did sleep, I have a note that Bert, you were,
2: uh, mm. suffering from some nightmares. Oh Yeah. I had been, and I think that was the hag that got me. Eventually, we found out that was the hag that was
0: right. That was another tip mm-hmm. off that things are not going well. And it again, if you're gonna if you're gonna meta game, that was a tip off as to what kind of hag you were gonna face.
2: Oh, yeah, I don't think Bert <laughs> would have known that anyway.
0: Right, as, as characters, you wouldn't know it, and you guys are real yeah. good about not metagaming in the first place. But as a as a DM, that always makes me a little bit hesitant to use things like that because obviously a a night hag is the only hag that can invade your dreams and start messing with you and taking hit points.
1: I was going to say, and that, that, that did have an impact on you, correct? I don't have written down how that was impacting. you. Were you not getting your full rest or something like that?
2: Yeah, it was something like that. Not getting back full hit points and maybe even temporarily draining them until I got that taken care of. So yes i was not going yeah so that that's the screen. real
0: danger is is if this continues if a once a night na- once a night hag latches onto you and continues draining you if you die she takes your soul so it's mm. it's worse than just having your character die your character is under the thrall of this night hag right, right. who is a deep dive into the into the lore, she's act. Night hags are are distinct from the other hags. She's actually from the abyss. She's sort of a demonic creature. Mm-hmm. Other hags are fae, just just nasty fae.
1: Huh.
0: But she's another level worse.
1: But you guys didn't know any of that, so no, we I mean, didn't. Characters didn't. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So we do arrive at Greta's home, and I have that in our conversation with her. She claims that her area followers have been attacked by a white. So she confirms what we, I guess, already knew, but we, which, what she confirmed was that indeed it was present and there. So you put together a plan <laughs> to work with her to defeat this white. Yeah. Do you remember anything
2: about that plan? I can picture it. And I know that yeah. we kind of had it set up that we were hoping to draw the white in from one direction. And we kind of set up we were going to be in one place and she was going to be over there somewhere else. And uh, the two red caps that were still with us, were going to be in there somewhere and we were going to try to lure them in and trap them and attack from all sides. And yeah, I'm just picturing that on the board and then that's not how it went at all
1: no no in fact i i have the same memory i can i can close my eyes and picture the map because it was it was a well drawn and had some good setup and it actually reminded me well, we of the, i was
0: going to say it had it was terrain it actually had the hills in my yeah i had built a little Ooh. hut trees right. and,
1: and our plan reminded me of one of the other times we were able to plan with the right. fey where we were going right. to lead them down a path because that worked mm-hmm. pretty well Another notable item of this particular part of the adventure is Jacques was not with us. Right, Jacques was off in a pocket dimension because that's how we handle when players can't attend. Yes, you were down one. That's right. So it went it went awry from the very beginning because as we were preparing, Toby Barrel and Quinn showed up, and they started walking directly towards me towards Wade. <laughs> And as they approached Wade, Greta shouts, and I have this written. <laughs> she shouts, "Now!" <laughs> and the battle began. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were set up, right? Because she, yeah, yeah. she turned on you. She went after you, working in league with the White and the Undead. Yeah, that. Yes, yeah, so you guys were in a little bit of a pickle. Although your other, your other Red Caps actually stuck by you. They did. Uh-huh. Yeah, they you bullied them into or somehow got them to, to decide they liked you better than hag which I guess wouldn't be that hard to do. But I mean, <laughs>
1: even though I punched them in the shoulder, I'm not like <laughs> some <laughs> oppressive <laughs> nasty abyssal woman. <laughs> so let me give some description of what I've written and then Marcus, I'm gonna have you kind of fill in what you remember from Bert's point of view. So I have that we defeated Toby, Bur- Barl, and Quinn, but Bert fell into unconsciousness during the battle. But a dryad, who we later come to find is Shade Bloom, and this is where you started introducing that all of these Fey have two names. Yes. Because it's Lady, and I I, don't, I can't read it. Sheltering. Lady Sheltering. Lady Sheltering or Shade Bloom shows up, and she's a dryad. Steps out of a tree and heals Bert. And it was about that time that we sensed that the white is coming. Do you remember anything about that battle before the white showed up?
2: Not anything other than, yeah, I went down. I know the, I can't remember exactly what the hag was doing to us. I know the red caps, they they were, they had their steel boots or whatever, their iron boots and they were kicking they, at us and doing all that. They kick you. Yes. Damage.
1: They do nasty
0: damage with those, yeah. those
2: boots.
1: Yeah, if you've never if you've never um, encountered a red cap before, which I hadn't, they're short and stout, but they've got these giant feet or boots. Mm-hmm. And they are, like you said, they are just nasty. I mean, how many do you do you recall how much damage you were rolling on those? It was I feel like it was way more than you'd expect
0: for their level. It was two D6 or something on just a kick.
1: Yeah which is more than what a short sword will do to you. And, a, and do you remember whatever. what the hag was doing to us at that point? Was she casting spells? I don't, yes, think, I don't. I don't remember. I don't,
0: I, I still had to learn how to play hags. She wasn't part of a coven, so she couldn't really ramp it up. Okay. But she, she had a couple ranged spells that she could attack, but hags are close in fighters. A lot of times they're claws that do a lot of damage if they're not going to use magic. And so I think she was doing some of that, just...
1: just just shredding Bert and some of the others, well, and so I was going to mention that my notes say that once shade bloom heals Bert, Bert
2: you went directly for Greta, yeah, I think so <laughs> you know there were a couple of things there as you know Bert went through, he knew that this white was probably around, but she had told us one thing and then turned on us, and he he felt betrayed and. Saw this evil creature just not living up to her end of this deal, and yeah, went after her
1: well, and it never really occurred to me until just now that you gave us that information about the night hag. Most hags and fae are are of a chaotic nature, right, or yes. are they law lo- okay, so I don't know why I guess I thought that we should have trusted her. well hag well, no, uh I shouldn't say that green hags hags in general.
0: Make and keep bargains. That's right. That's right. Okay. They'll try to twist them, but they'll make them and they'll keep them. And, and yeah, she just didn't even try. <laughs> and I guess
1: that's that's what I, I think we were counting on is that and why we felt so betrayed. I mean, it is a hag. So we shouldn't feel particularly surprised that she double crossed us. But at the same time, that contract they make with you is what I think surprised us. So while Bert was taking on the hag, Wade and the other redcaps were trying to, the the white shows up. And so we were trying to still play out that, draw the white in. Mm -hmm. Bert has uh, Greta somewhat occupied. And two more dryads with satyrs show up. And this was starting to feel like, I felt like it was a real dire situation because Bert had already been down Mm -hmm. once. And I think the Red Caps are taking hits. I think I was taking hits. But like one by one, these Faye were showing up. Beer Barrel and Lady Slayer, (laughs) who we met
0: at. (laughs) These are all from Border Glen. Border Glen. So all the wimpy ones that said, we're too scared.
1: Yeah. Start popping up one at a time. And we got their names, their their real names or their other names. And Beer Barrel's name was Hector. Mm Mm-hmm. And Lady Slayer's name is Bitterblade, which was, which is cool. And then Lady Greenheart, Sandy? Did I have that right. <laughs> Seems like such a yeah, common name. Sandy was the original with the name that yes. Okay. So Lady Greenheart or Sandy, the dry edge, shows up and goes directly to help Bert with in the melee with Greta. Mm-hmm. And then I also have that we're joined in battle by Sang- Sanguinus. Sanguinous. Yeah. The Sprite. More, oh yeah, and and more to us, the sprites, and they were also kind of picking off the hag. At that time, we learn in this battle that the white hat, the white, as the other ones did, have a name, and this one's name is Hedrig. Mm-hmm. And this was not a simple battle. you no. and people, Faye, were going down left and right. The I don't know that the red caps. A couple so, of red, i think a couple
0: definitely one of your red cap ally, allies just died out now yeah and
1: the other might have survived and so as i'm picturing the map marcus it was all
2: over the place what
1: other memories do you have of this battle
2: well i have that lady ironwood was there too or ironwood or ironheart one ironheart. of them yes ironheart uh, yeah she was Rainflower. there as well Great flower yeah i remember I, I'm trying to remember exactly how it went. I know it was all spread out, although it was kind of like you and some of the fae over there with the white and probably gas and whatever came with him. And then I was over with the hag and I was trying to remember exactly how the hag got away because she did, I think. I don't remember. Yes.
0: she got down. Once she day. got down to fairly low HP... I'm trying to remember myself. I have to go back and look at my notes, but she may have been able to just turn invisible and run or something like that.
1: What I remember of that part was you were up on, it was kind of on a hillside north of where the main battle and her hut was. She had had made her way up a hill and you guys had kind of chased her up that hill. And I think she, yeah, I almost, because I have, the language I have in here, she disappears. Okay. so invisibility is probably what she did. But we we do eventually defeat Mm Pedrig and Greta Mm -hmm. gets away. Lady Oakstaff, this seems so uh, out of out of place almost, but maybe let me read what I've got here. I said Lady Oakstaff, who is also Acorn, if you recall, requests helping and travel to Ain to request help from the queen. And she says long ago, this island was divided between men and fae. Elves were a part of that, but are now gone. And she believes that the power driving the Whites drove the elves out. Yeah, so a little more,
0: you get a little more lore to this. And of course, as the audience probably has figured out, in fact, the fighting fae are real. Yeah. And they were the yeah. ones in Border Glen. Just did not want to reveal their nature to you, but were keeping tabs and came to your rescue when the night
1: hag and, and Patrick jumped. you Right. Um, and that was, I, I remember Dan, after the battle, I remember you saying to me, I felt like I, you, you said something like, did, did, did you, did we feel like you bailed us out with the, the Faye and like take away? And I'll just say, no, I really, I kind of thought that that reinforcement that just kept popping in and popping in was actually really cool because we were, our backs were against the wall. Wouldn't you say that Marcus?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think if there hadn't been something that went on, yeah, I think both of us would have, both of our characters would have died and been dead.
1: Because it was only you, me, and the two red caps, right? Yeah. And then right. we, and then we'd taken on, we thought we'd created this contract with Greta, who we assumed was powerful and would be able to help us. So when she turned on us, I, I was really nervous about how that was going to go and that was going to play out. So I thought it was cool. That they, that they came in. And then when we learned that that was the Fighting fae, the Dan, the lore that you had built for us, that was kind of a cool moment, like goosebumps on your arms kind of moment that all oh, the Fighting Fae who we've been asking about and everyone's been denying, and we just assumed by this point was just total lore, is actually true. And this was kind of cool too. We learned that the Fighting Fae were kind of an old order that it, they'd worked with the elves and humans in the past. And that it is now down to this is about half the strength of what the Fighting Fae used to be, um, and what was cool is oh we had Pesculus, Pesculus yeah. was with us, mm-hmm. but it was it was at this point that they offered Pesculus membership into the Fighting Fae, right. which oh that was so cool. <laughs>
2: Beat up with his one I horn, own. but he's cool. Still- I was going to say I also like that because I do have in my notes that it tied back to that first battle with the first white that. Peony and Artemis were also part of the fighting fay, as Lady Affliction and Lady Silverwand. Wand. and mm-hmm. so I like that it tied, kind of tied all of that together as we've been going through this fay, yeah. part of the island. And from the from the DM standpoint, some
0: of that was there when you guys were going, but a lot of of what developed in the lore came from some of your discussions and conversations with, about them and with them. <laughs> and I'm like, that's really, okay, well, let's think about this some more. Let's, let's uh, try to figure this out a little bit. So yeah, that was
1: fun to see the the threads kind of work together. Mm-hmm. And so I think to wrap up this, this part, this segment of this, the story of Slint, we go into Greta's hut and inside. Actually, Bre- should we leave that as a, the oh. Favorite, which, what, what you find in Greta's I hut. like that because we find some, we something. find something in Greta's Hut that makes somewhat of a big impact on the group. So if you want to find out what that is, you'll have to <laughs> uh, join us in a future episode of Teachers in the Dungeon when we rejoin Slint. But before we head off, I want to say, Marcus, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been great to have your insight into the battle.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It was uh, it, It's fun to revisit it and rethink about everything we've done.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I like hearing, I I do like hearing from you guys what your impressions were from that side of the table.
1: So, all right. Well, thanks again, uh, Marcus, for joining us. And we'll wrap up with this. Don't forget about our question at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Hop on to social media or drop us an email. Let us know where your most interesting place is that you've played Dungeons & Dragons or just an enjoyable place that you've played Dungeons & Dragons in the past. So until next time, keep rolling those 20s, and we'll see you then. And don't trust night hags.
0: That wraps up
1: today's session, so thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks
2: and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.